0: All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Thursday, it's September 17th. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is James Davis. And we are coming at you with a week two game-by-game game breakdown. We're going to cover some injury stuff. We're going to cover some betting stuff. And obviously, DFS pivots. And we'll nod to the cash game plays. But we did um, cover that in depth on our podcast from yesterday. So you can go back in the feed. And check out our cash game plays. Always subject to taint change, obviously. But you'll get the final lineups and final thoughts if you sign up for dfsr.com/deals. And that's going to give you optimal lineups for Fanduel and DraftKings NFL, NBA. While we're still chugging along through the playoffs, MLB obviously as we're getting uh, toward the end of the season, it's all covered under one subscription package. PGA too, U.S. Open just teed off earlier today. Mm-hmm. Again, go John Rahm. Now um, yeah, Web Simpson too, if we're just looking at the long, launch- the, uh, the the middle of the tier bets that we put in. Okay. Um, but uh, all that covered under one subscription package so go check that out dfsr.com slash deals buddy how are we feeling going into week two took a not a beating in week one Won some head-to-heads that's why it's always good to mix up cash games and head-to-heads because um you're just not gonna you know with good systems you even if you just don't cash up cash those full huge double ups you can uh, kind of make hay with the head, uh, head-to-heads uh, or even hedge a little bit but how do you feeling going into week two um with some of this injury stuff you know where we're kind of our lineups are looking like right now
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, my confidence generally builds the more information we get, good information. I think preseason projections tend to be an act of futility, especially with guys in new situations, new coaching staffs, etc. So my confidence always builds, you know, regardless of the result of week one, because, you know, I can't kill myself for guessing that Marvin Jones was going to be a good play in week one. Right. Like all the evidence would have pointed to that. He doesn't wind up working out and things are tight enough that. If you have the wrong end of a stick like that and some chalk option, uh, or in this case, like Lockett, who is fine, but then Thielen winds up getting two touchdowns. If you're going to ride those emotional highs and lows, DFS is just not the enterprise for you. So yeah, feel good.
0: Oh, you're better about the emotional thing than me. I felt devastated. Not just <laughs> I. I definitely I ride the emotional stuff a little bit more, mostly for the users. It's not so much for me. I, I've come right, to grips with business, my own. Sure. Yeah, I've come to grips with my own. Just sort of um, my own bankroll and and how I manage that. Uh, but I always like to just have just put out winners there on a consistent basis. So I ride I ride the emotional highs along with our users in our chat room. Uh, but uh, but for my own self, yeah, I think I'm kind of there with you. Let's go game by game. bunch of stuff we want to cover here. Definitely some very intriguing slash. Um, possibly really relevant injury news that's come in, both guys coming back and guys uh, either out or out for the season. Mm. But uh, we'll go through the games, and we'll, I'm going to throw out some bets there as well. Our first One of our betting articles just went up. Uh, have some bets that are – and I'll nod to those because those are up free on the site, but then we're also going to have some more in our chat room as we get closer to Sunday lock. First game is Atlanta goes in and plays Dallas. Dallas coming off a tough loss against the Rams on Sunday night. Atlanta uh, just pretty much got rolled by Seattle. I know the game score looked a little closer, but that uh, you know, Russell Wilson just absolutely carved them up. This game has a really high total. It started at 51; is already up to 53. With actually, this points coming up more on the Atlanta side as they move the line from six uh, plus six to plus four and a half. Hmm. This game, you know, 53 total, a lot of viable fantasy options here. We did nod to Amari Cooper yesterday, quick nod to Julio Jones, uh, and sort of, and also just how the targets were distributed for Atlanta last week with 12, 12, and 12 between Ridley Jones and uh, Russell Gage. What do we like in this game? We also did mention Dak Prescott as a possible cash option.
1: So, for starters, I think we want to look carefully at Atlanta because things, I think, got a little bit warped based on the game script against Seattle last week. One guy I'm keeping in mind for big tournaments is Todd Gurley, actually. So Gurley, you know, obviously he, the talent is there. A thing we've always had an issue with with Atlanta is splitting carries. But Gurley last week goes out. It's 14 carries, has a touchdown, and also gets targeted five times in the passing game. Right now he's 7,000. Um, obviously, like, he's older, totally different situation. But we've seen Gurley be a mid eight thousand dollar running back in the past, and Given that he wasn't overwhelmingly good, he's an underdog here. There's a lot of reasons to not want to play girly, but for big tournaments, I do think it's I think it's a way to get separation for a guy that wouldn't shock you. Like if things happen to go well for Atlanta in this game, I think he could easily have mid twenties touches. Uh given that like if he's gonna get nineteen opportunities in a game that goes against his like what you would hope for for him, then I think there's nothing but upside on uh on that side. But I think on the wide receiver front we talked about this yesterday, but Given how widely these targets were spread, that's not a situation that I'm going to be personally trying to guess right on.
0: Yeah, uh, I st- I'm still OK with Julio only because we have a long historical track record of his production. And, um, you know, we don't have Michael Thomas on the slate or maybe not even for the week at all. So the top tier wide receivers actually is a little bit thinner than usual. It's basically for me just Julio and Devontae Adams. Um, yeah. That being said, yeah, the Russell Gage, 12 targets. Uh, I want to see some of that hopefully go back to Hayden Hurst. I don't know. can't really go back there in cash games, especially mm-hmm. with new situation plus lack of production in week one. Uh, the Gurley thing, we saw him get scripted. Now, I don't know if this is a load management thing. Only, he had the 19 touches but only played 46% of the snaps. If that's going to be the case when they fall down, then it's just going to be a problem for cash all season long. And like you said, it's been an Atlanta thing time in memoriam that they just don't want to have one, ba- one back, right? It's just always – it's always two dudes, and this one was Brian Hill. Brian Hill didn't touch the ball a ton in his 21 snaps, uh, but they also had Edo Smith play 20 snaps. Now, Edo Smith might be on the injury, might be injured this week, so that would be one thing to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, all things considered, Atlanta just has always shown that they, like you said, they don't want to just run the one guy. Sure, Dallas well that's really- why you
1: wouldn't you wouldn't touch Gurley and Cash. But what I'm pointing out is like if you want to try to be a week early on a guy, I think like when I'm looking at week one, what I'm trying to analyze is opportunity versus the game script in week one, and then, you know, try and play out scenarios where guys could get more or less opportunity going forward, right? So it's the reason why, you know, Russell Gage, honestly, is still pretty interesting to me. Like, if you're 5,000 and you can get 12 targets, you have to at least be on the radar. But um, but I'm looking for those guys that people are going to be unnecessarily low on based on a game script that went against their favor in week one. So that, that's yeah. what I'm highlighting in Gurley, not as a cash totally. gameplay.
0: Totally agree. I was. I, it sounded like I was disagreeing with you. I wasn't. I was just sure kinda, I was. I was yes anding you. Uh, more, but it might have sounded like a yes button. I uh, apologize for that. Uh, sorry, Edo Smith not on the. I, I conflated that with another injury thing. Edo Smith not on the. Uh, not on the injury report. So just uh, just be aware of those snaps. And I totally agree with everything that James always says. With Dallas side, <laughs> uh, the obviously the Cowboys are not a team that has any problem playing their uh, their guys. In this case, Ezekiel Elliott uh, every down, not. You know, didn't really work out for him week one in terms of production, but did touch the ball 26 times. Um, Played 63 of the 72 snaps. That's not new. 22 carries, 96 yards. eh, Okay, touchdown. Sure, four targets and also got a touchdown there. So from a fantasy perspective, yes, um, I guess I was saying that it didn't work out in terms of the overall win. But, you know, when we set him in terms of where we're looking for cash games, we didn't have him. I mean, we kind of highlighted Derrick Henry higher than Zeke. And I'm wondering if... Zeke should be the guy that we should really be looking at here because 26 touches historical evidence that this is what they want to do also I'm wondering if our projection on Zeke is just a little low we have him as the fourth highest running back right now and, I'm, and just like kind of looking at it it strikes me as maybe we're a little low on Zeke here
1: so I think Zeke is one of the higher floor running backs that exists in the NFL right now it's just that you have to pay more for him than you do for Henry and Clyde edwards Hilaire, who's the other kind of bigger ticket running back that we highlighted, and I think for those two reasons, I think I still would lean to the cheaper guys. Uh, As always, especially early season before, a lot of opportunity has been shaken out. Uh, Every dollar really counts, and so since you can't play three running backs over 8,000, I don't think, unless you're going to start getting really risky at other positions, Zeke was more of the odd man out. You know, When I was writing up running backs, I did look at him pretty hard, but ultimately just decided... I prefer the other guys. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he were a big cash game play. I think he's a totally reasonable cash game play. I think if you have the money left over, he probably brings a higher floor than Edward Solaire, just because we've only seen one game out of him. And while there was admittedly very high usage in that game, we'd always like to see, you know, a repeated track record just before we go penciling guys in for 20 plus touches a game. So I do really like Zeke. Definitely a cash game play. I just don't know if he's gonna be in our lineups.
0: Worth noting that Atlanta, um, middle of the pack defense last year, significantly better against the run than they were the past. 24th in DVOA, uh, sorry, 21st in DVOA against the pass, 13th against the rush. So, um, you know, we did mention Amari Cooper as you know, he saw so many targets in week one. Uh, if we're gonna if they're gonna funnel it a little bit more toward the pass, uh, that might be the way to go. I still like Michael Gallup as a high upside play. We've seen him be able to turn in big games. Not a cash game play for me, but definitely a big tournament if you're looking to stack this game. And there's really a lot of ways to stack this game because the 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 total itself is just a lot higher than many. Like if we spend more time in this game than some others, it's because there's just a lot more fantasy viable yeah. options in this one than there are in some of the other games that have come up that I think we're gonna move through rather quickly. So really it's i hate to say this as like a cop out but really almost every piece of both offenses is in play here from tour, from a tournament perspective with a, some of the other guys in cash games is that a fair way to put it like i'm, I'm and yeah. i'm only saying that cuz i'm not going to be like when we go to broncos and when we go to broncos Steelers i'm not going to say the same thing about these teams right <laughs> so like i hate to like blanket it that like everybody's in play but really with a game like this it is also great conditions um inside dallas so is that a fair statement well, we can move on from that but um is there anyone who would just like totally fade here or is this like am I right by just saying really if you you can look at a lot of different combinations from this game
1: yeah I I think you can look at a lot of different combinations I do think the wide receiver situation in Dallas is a little more clear than perhaps many do I think Cooper really did emerge for me in week one as the guy who is going to be the target of a lot of the plan there I think that Gallup will ultimately be the odd man out because Lamb I mean he only had six targets in week one but he was really good really efficient And, you know, if you get like industry consensus sort of eyeball test, he looked like the fastest guy on the field when he was out there. So I think that he's a riser for me. Uh, Maybe that gets you Gallup at no ownership in big tournaments. Maybe that makes him pretty interesting. But, yeah, I think it's Cooper by a healthy margin. And then I think the rest are just in pure speculation territory.
0: All right, let's keep moving here. Uh, We do have the aforementioned Broncos go in and play the Steelers. Steelers, seven-and-a-half-point home favorites here. Uh, The news, we discussed it somewhat briefly, but on on yesterday's podcast, it doesn't look like James Conner is going to play. He left the Monday night game really early. Benny Snell came in and took over the carries. Now, the difference with Atlanta and a team like Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh has been very clear that mm-hmm. when they have a running back, that is the running back. That is the only guy that plays. This is not a new thing. They've done this with really everyone along the line, is that when you were the running back under Mike Tomlin for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you basically play every down. They only want guys that can play every down, and that's really the story. Mm-hmm. I, I, we're going to have the news on Connor well ahead of time. It, I, I guess it really only comes down to if Connor is out, is Snell just – an every is it just an every cash game lineup kind of guy? Like, yes, is it just is it, it has, just to, that be. Okay. It has yeah. to be
1: because if you compare him to other guys, let's say even just because I mean, he's 4,600, which is the 100 above the minimum price on FanDuel. If you get a guy, even if you take a range of a thousand dollars above him, there's no one in the same league in terms of potential safety than a running back who's coming off a week where they had a ton of touches, whose price didn't go up because the game happened after pricing for this week had already been released and it was just a a seven point favorite. I mean, it it literally checks every single box on a team where we know exactly what we've been doing this for seven years now, seven years of football seasons, and it's been that way the entire time under Tomlin. So yeah, I'm all over Benny Snell, absolute must. Um, uh, I loved Boston Scott going into last week, obviously got hurt, but I would rate Snell as an even more mandatory play than Scott was going into last week. Yep
0: where Scott's like was a little bit speculative because we thought that he would see increased carries, but not all of them. That's Mm -hmm. not the situation with Snell, right? Like it was still worth, it was still worth it from a starter slash skill set, you know, slash price kind of situation with Scott and kind of ran bad with the injury, I would say. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't see the Snell in the same category as that. Uh, I thought that there was, there was worlds where Scott, the Scott thing really doesn't work out. Or we kind of misread the situation. I do not feel like that would be the case. If Connor were to sit Uh, any other plays here, we saw Juju kind of return to being the number one wide receiver with Ben. I We walked into that Monday night game. very. I very much felt like that was going to be a return to that case. I mean, he saw only six targets, but he did catch two touchdowns. He is the red zone threat here. Deontay Johnson had 10 targets. He turned him into 57 yards, more of a possession guy. Uh, I kind of like both. I do think Juju's uh, targets are set to increase as the weeks go on because I just think he is just going to be that guy. Uh, anything else like like these guys and the Steelers?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty bullish on Deontay Johnson. We've seen the Steelers, you know, once again explore receivers like Johnson in the past and really get them into the mix in a pretty significant way. Like they're they're they are they they have not been a team that's been like Green Bay say where they're like all right, our top guy gets 16 targets this game. Like that just really hasn't been. What Roethlisberger and the Steelers have been about. So I think Johnson is a value. I think he's more of a big tournament play based on the lack of track record there. But I still think, you know, if it were a tighter week, say a week with buys where we really had to scrape and we had him at 5,800, I wouldn't be opposed to it. So yeah, I think he's a playable option.
0: On the Denver side, we can move through this real quick. Philip Lindsay is questionable right now. I actually don't think he's going to play. Um, he's gonna, he, I, I don't know why he still has the questionable tag because it's like the, most reports say that he's just going to miss here. They did bring in Melvin Gordon. We saw Gordon get a fair amount of touches uh, in Week mm-hmm. One. That's not too surprising. A team that definitely you know it was Gordon seven uh, excuse me uh, Gordon fifteen carries on thirty seven snaps and then uh, Philip Lindsay had the seven this is a team also that has also kind of shown that they don't want to just run one running back. They do still have Royce Freeman mm-hmm. there. Uh, Royce Freeman came in and played six snaps, didn't really do much. But um, after, like, do we want to give Gordon the full comp- – also had three targets – the full complement of running back touches here? Or does Denver's track record with the running back situation strike you as not safe? I mean, it's, it kind of helps that they're underdogs here and we probably don't need to, from a cash game pr- perspective, consider the running back. But what, what do you want to do with the Denver situation?
1: I think you can look to last week and – kind of pencil Gordon in for a similar amount of opportunity and production. And uh, I think that makes him not cash game viable for sure. And I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like in the girly conversation where if the game script goes in a way that Vegas does not predict, you could see Gordon be more involved than he was last week. But, you know, something like 15 carries, a couple targets seems right to me. And that's not going to put him anywhere near cash games, given that they're significant underdogs here.
0: It is a good sign from a rookie wide receiver standpoint that Jerry Judy came out and led the team in targets. Yeah, I don't want to um, just from a, if you think they're playing catch up and you think that Drew Lock and Judy just sort of made themselves. That's the tandem that's going to be. That was with no Cortland Sutton, by the way. I got I'm going to wait on the Cortland Sutton news. Um, you know, I'm just going to hold out. I want to just say this. If Cortland Sutton's back, I think Cortland Sutton's a good play. If, if Cortland Sutton's out, I think Jerry Judy's a good play. Um, I do think they gonna be playing catch-up, and the Steelers' defense is still a very good defense uh, that they showed against the Giants. Yeah. I think I'm just going to move, uh, kind of hustle along here because we're going to get caught uh, with some of these other games. Uh, so that's kind of my final thoughts on Denver. Minnesota goes in and plays the Colts. Colts coming off a, a loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars last week who, by every account, were going to be a team and they had like over-under of like three and a half to start the season where people were like feverishly betting the under at times. Uh, this is how bad no. the Jacksonville was supposed to be. Phillip Rivers under center didn't seem to – I mean, he, he was fine. They still lost to a team that is actively trying to tank. So take that for what it's worth. They lose Marlon Mack for the year. Now, Naheem Himes and Jonathan Taylor – We're both there. Taylor was the off the preseason sort of buzz guy in terms of like, oh, he's going to take over the starting role at some point during the season. Now he's just going to take over the starting role now. But we saw Hines get you know down and close carries last week. Got a lot of carries, more than just the pass receiving guy. I did not. I was not overly bullish on Taylor's projection here, and he's still kind of striking in as a cash game play. We did not talk about him yesterday. What do you make of the indie running back situation
1: here? So an interesting stat I saw being thrown around on Twitter was that, and I'm not going to get this perfect, but it was something like of the last eight highest. um, Okay, so let me put this right. So the games where running backs were targeted the most in the passing game, Rivers has like seven of the last eight of those games. (laughs) So um, between last week and his time as a part of San Diego slash the LA Chargers, uh, he just loves throwing the running back. You know, we saw it with Eckler um, last season. Like, it doesn't necessarily need to be this pedigree sort of back that they're going to give it to every time. So last week, Hines goes out there and gets eight targets in the passing game, and let me see what Taylor's. Taylor got Taylor Taylor had had six. Taylor got six. I have an so between the two of them, that's a lot of targets out of the passing game. Now, the problem, from my perspective, is whenever you get these running backs that are splitting the workload. Like, targets, I feel like, come and go a lot more than carries do. And while carries are less valuable than targets overall, for a number of reasons, uh, they go for fewer yards, you don't get the extra random half a point or one point for catching a ball (laughs) for some reason uh, in fantasy. I still think it makes them riskier than a back that would have their touches more consolidated towards carries. So I love these guys for big tournaments. I would be pretty hesitant to try to speculate on one of them uh, in a game against a tougher Minnesota defense and as part of an offense that looked pretty anemic in week one, too. So, I don't think I want to play these guys in cash, but I, I certainly can understand the argument for doing so.
0: I think both in PPR settings are very close to cash game options. Um, like, if for the full PPR, if you're going to just look at these amount of targets, like, so Taylor was pretty ineffective on the ground, but again, like he was six for 67 through the air. You're not going to pencil him in for 10 yards of target, so I don't think that's the case. But and Hines was good, too. Like, Hines was 8 for 45 and a touchdown. The mm-hmm. full PPR really has to make you think that helps. about these prices. Like, 5,700 5, 5, for Taylor on DraftKings. I do think there's a chan- There's a world that he's very, very high owned, especially when he, if he's going to just take the start. And if he's just going to take his snaps, which were, like, he had 26 snaps plus max, and even at a split, I don't know. This one's got to think about with the PPR. Yeah. I, I yeah, think it's I'm close. Up. I think I'm okay in the half PPR not really going there. But between – the like Marlon Mack had three targets last year and 11 snaps – last week and 11 snaps. Like, I never saw a target last year. So, like, this is just that, – that, that stat that you threw out there, obviously it's just a real – a very real thing. And if Rivers mm-hmm. is going to default here all the time and we're going to be looking at eight, nine targets maybe per guy because that's just – that's all he can do now, that's mm-hmm. something we're going to have to talk about. So, um, yeah. and I do think you're going to see Taylor uh, – I just think he's going to be a pretty popular option at running back. Where, by the way, there's a lot of running back options this week. There's We're not devoid of, of running back options, especially on DraftKings this week. So, uh, interesting situation, something to monitor. I think Taylor gets the start on the Minnesota side. We saw let's, let's talk real
1: quick about the wide receivers for Indy, too, okay. um, before we jump over to Minnesota. Uh, both Hilton and Campbell saw nine targets in the passing game last week. Uh, both of them are relatively cheap. With the way the Colts are running their offense right now, I have a hard time picturing Hilton. You know, being the big GPP upside guy that I thought he was going into week one, so that is a situation just based on how Rivers was throwing the ball. That is a situation where I've modified my expectations, but so I just wanted to get that out there. I do think there's a chance that Campbell winds up being quite a good possession receiver for them, and he's too expensive to speculate on given the other cheaper options out there. So Adam, just wanted to get those takes.
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, Adam Thielen came back and got ended up dominating the target share with no Stephon Diggs last week. Um, He got eight targets, did score two touchdowns. Kind of garbagey touchdowns, if we're being honest about it. It was looking like a real train wreck for Minnesota in the first half. They really made hay in the second half. I think Cousins had like five passing attempts at halftime or something like that. It was, it's like a brutal safety. Um, a lot of their points came sort of what I would call in garbage time. Um, but where do we want to rank like guys like you know him and then where do we want to put Dalvin Cook? Game, you know, game spread closer here. Obviously, we saw Indy just get give up. An incredibly efficient day to Gardner Minshew at nineteen for twenty. Like I said, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, where do you put? Where do you rank some of these mini guys?
1: Yeah, I rank them all pretty poorly. I think compared to what other people in the industry will do. I think with Thielen, people are gonna. Pe- a lot of people played him last week. He was almost forty percent owned in cash games. The price has gone up by five hundred, and people are gonna look and be like, "Well, geez, like he was worth eighty five hundred last week, so I can pay the increase." But he wasn't actually any different than what our expectations were in terms of his opportunity, right? Like, he had eight targets. That's not great by any stretch. Um, And if we look at last season's track record, like I guess it's a little hard for me to imagine him being even more involved than he already was, given the game script that we saw him get only eight targets in last week. So he's effective, and maybe Minnesota looks at that and says, well, hey, he's our guy, and those – Possessions where we targeted him were very valuable, and we we should double down on it. But I just don't know that we really saw anything in week one that has me changing my mind about Adam Thielen. Like, I I figured he would get seven or eight targets. He got eight targets. He happened to turn him into two touchdowns, so good for him. But you just can't. Yeah, I I just don't think that's a sure thing. And, And especially paying for the increase, I can't imagine doing that in cash this week.
0: Yeah, uh, totally agree on that. Um, I think just think there's other better, just sort of target options. All things considered, I do have already have a bet in Minnesota plus three on this game. I don't think. Um, oh, I think, I just I just don't see this as an even matchup. Like I, there's, it, it's, it's not reasonable to expect that we've seen a great quarterback increase in production moving from Brissette to Phillip Rivers here. Uh, the fact that they were able to just give up points to a team that has an absolutely garbage offense. Um, is really troubling. I'm actually, it's it's only, I think this, the plus three strikes me as Vegas not understanding really what's happening here with either team. And in that case, I think I'm going to take the team that just appears just to be better. I mean, our system just likes Minnesota sort of mm. as an outright here. So um, I d- wasn't willing to go that far, but the plus three uh, struck me as a, a pretty good bet. So that is one of the bets that we put in. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back to roll through some more of these games. All right. The Jaguars go in and face the Titans here. Titans are nine-point home favorites. I'm not going to spend – I don't think we need to spend a lot of time in this game. We just have Derrick Henry as just the play this week. Maybe um, we talked about him in cash game. They're nine-point favorites. This is exactly where you want to be with a high-volume running back with at home with a huge total. Is there anything more really to say about this game except for maybe Tennessee defense? Like this is – I don't want to just poo-poo it, but and, – and, and the Jags were a nice story last week, but – this just strikes me as play Derrick Henry in cash and we can move to the next game.
1: <laughs> uh, I think there's like guys you can consider for big tournaments. Like Corey Davis had eight targets last week. Um, if you want to compare him to say Adam Thielen has the same number of targets, but Davis is 4,800. So right. I'm sorry, 4,900. That's, that's a criminally low price. and really uh, frees you up for other investments. I think James Robinson's another guy just for big tournaments. Like our, our system was kind of sniffing around on him last week. Going up against the Colts, didn't get there in terms of overall production, but he did have 17 touches and seems to be the guy in Jacksonville right now. And, you know, you could argue that the game script really went in his favor in a way that it won't often go for him uh, last week. So maybe 17 is sort of the top, but he's 5,300, right? So for big tournaments, you know, there's a world where he punches into touchdowns in a game and wins you the the whole thing. So I I don't think you want to sleep on this game altogether, but it's nothing super exciting.
0: Uh, moving on, we have the Giants versus the Bears. The Bears are five and a half point home favorites after pulling out a win against Detroit last week. They really should have lost. I hate to like put a put a win or a loss down to one play because you can do that for an entire game, but they just straight up dropped the winning touchdown like on the last drive, yeah. um, and so it, they really should have lost. And I know people were kind of fawning over the Mitch Trubisky's thing I still was 20 for 36 uh, 26 rushing yards uh, no thanks I I didn't put a bet in here I was close on this one with the Giants The plus points uh the Giants didn't look all that great in their own right so um, by the way we didn't mention this yesterday the funniest point of the week last week was the FanDuel free bet on the yeah thank one. you I, I texted yeah. you
1: about that and you never re- responded because I think you were too depressed about how week one went but uh Yes, I'm glad we can finally talk about this.
0: Okay, so if you didn't know FanDuel and a lot of these sports books now, um, you know, our good friends at my book, you do this a lot. Also, they put out these free bets that are basically just bonuses in disguise that are meant to just sort of entice action to boost your bankroll and then, you know, but with certain limitations put on the, on the winnings. I think I'm summing that up pretty correctly, correct mm-hmm. right? So um, last week's the Saquon Barkley, the one, the free money bet, you know, the first week was like, you know, what was it? Oh, KC plus 54 on, Mil- on, <laughs> on, 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 on my bookie. I forget what got, Fandle, there. We got there was, on had one of these too. But last week it was Saquon over nine rushing yards, um, you know, for the max $50 bet. And he ended <laughs> with five rushing yards. And I'm like, it's like Fandle, because uh, it's like one of these loss leader things. It's like, okay, we're going to give it away, but, you know. It's we'll going to get gonna, people
1: talking. Right, like, we're gonna that have that bet happened bets. also on my bookie, right? Like I noticed that I texted you about it. So.
0: Yeah, so anyway, I uh, just thought that was pretty funny that FanDuel just ends up just cashing however many millions of dollars oh, worth of what's supposed imagine. to be free with mm-hmm. free bets. And I noticed it didn't like just go right back to putting another free play up. So I'm not sure if they just kind of took it and just said, that's a nice one for the good guys. Yeah, so or... when you show up at
1: the roulette table, you're like, ah, whatever, I'm going to put $10 on 17 And then it gets there and you're like, you know what, I think I have to be done now. <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to go to the buffet and hang out because... I'm up three hundred and sixty bucks on five seconds of roulette. So. All right. So anyway, with this game,
0: uh, you know, Bears did pull out that win. It's kind of just the same old story for the Bears. Like I don't really know mm-hmm. if there's any great takes from here. We have another week of David Montgomery and Tara Cohen splitting carries. We have mm-hmm. another week of Allen Robinson just being like an awesome wide receiver, but still has Mr. Trubisky throwing to him. So it's always gonna upside is always gonna be a little capped. Uh, on the Giants side, we already just told you what Saquon did, which was absolutely nothing in in the first week. Again, that's a Steelers defense, so take it for what it's worth. Did have nice um, production in the passing game without Golden Tate. I think Golden Tate's going to play this week, so I'm not exactly sure you can trust the wide receiver situation. Any other thoughts here on the Giants and Bears?
1: Uh, not really. I mean, do we well? Do we talk about Slayton? Uh, we talked about podcast. him briefly, and I said,
0: "If if Tate doesn't play, I think he's a cash game play. If yeah, Tate play, so if Tate plays, I'm not willing to just. I, I got to we got to redistribute some of those targets. It, you, it's can't, clear you, that, can't, you can't
1: you can play him if Tate comes back. So I think exactly. that's we can get that out of the way now. We have seen, especially for like your season long leagues, Not that he's still out there probably after the week one performance, but we have seen. But new quarterbacks, they walk in and they oftentimes don't care about who whoever was good before. <laughs> they yeah. just find their guy who they like to throw to. And these guys are all obviously phenomenal athletes. So I'm pretty high on Slayton going forward. Uh, certainly one to watch. If he tops eight targets again this week, I'm going to be... Like all in the following week at any price under six thousand. So. And
0: we did see this last year with Jones. Like Jones did target him last year also. This is some there's something this wasn't totally new. This is something right. of a rapport thing. Again, the team's bad. Jones is still struggles with a lot of the decision making. So it's really hard. It's just really hard to start really you know, suspect quarterbacks and suspect wide receivers in cash. That's the only problem I have, right? It's like it's all good, and you talked at length yesterday about how not all targets are created equal. I would still put that in this camp, um, yeah, but absolutely. But the price maybe just dictates it. All right, uh, moving on, we have Detroit goes in and plays Green Bay. Green Bay, six-point home favorites here, really nice total at 49.5. Has come up both on both sides, a little bit more on the Green Bay side. Um, we saw Aaron Rodgers. We talked about Devontae Adams as just a cash game play. in uh, yesterday's podcast, that has not changed. He's an elite, just an elite target guy that is not set to change at all. As, as time goes on, this is something we have many, many games of track record on. So Devontae Adams, if this is one of your locks for the week, no problem with that especially on DraftKings with some of the value that we're getting at running back with guys like Taylor, guys like Benny Snell, Devontae Adams is a just, it strikes me just an another incredibly safe option with such a high floor and high ceiling as well. So if you're going a little cheaper on, on, on running back, you basically have to go to Devontae Adams, I think in cash. Now on the running back side, i want your opinion because the minus six is really where we start seeing high correlations with running back play in terms of, you know, where we want to be in terms of cash games, Aaron Jones, Another t- another great week here. 16 uh, carries, six targets. Did not find the end zone once. Really kind of probably ran bad in the receiving yards in terms of six carries, but only 10 receiving yards. 42 of the snaps. Still have Jamal Williams hanging around. Is it just that there's just a, an embarrassment of riches here at running back this week in terms of cash? Because I think on another just sort of normal week, we would see Aaron jo- Aaron Jones. I think a guy we would already would have talked about at length in the Cash Game Podcast.
1: Yeah, Jones. I- I- I can't ever be too excited about Jones while Jamal Williams is around because so even last week, Jamal Williams gets seven carries and four targets in the passing game. And it's another theme from our ebook, but it's like that doesn't sound like too much, but all of a sudden, like say Williams his true expectation is like six or seven touches. Like that's a ton in turn like when you compare it to someone like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, let's say at a similar price point, who got essentially all the opportunity for Kansas City last week or Derrick Henry you know where the difference is even more stark now both of those guys are a little bit more expensive than Jones uh, but Jones strikes me as a guy that I'd be playing on you know small slates like a Sunday to Monday slate stuff like that not a guy that I'm going to touch in a as full as can be Sunday main slate
0: yeah I think that makes sense um, I think that again like upside yes there's just probably just too much other running back value there and I'm still with you that The fact that they just don't want to turn the keys fully over to this guy, at least until Mm -hmm. late in the season, and maybe not even ever, based on how they run things, is enough. Um, These other wide receiver parts, I know people want to just dream on. I've long since dreamt on the other – Green Bay wide receivers, Devontae Adams just chews up two minutes of the target share. Nah. Uh, that's just the story. Uh, I don't really know the, another way to put it. So, um, uh, you know, maybe a little upside here on on a deep ball to the Atlas Scantling or something like that. But otherwise, it's kind of Adams or bust for me. Kenny Galladay still hasn't practiced this week, so I'm not sure what to do here on the line side. Part of me doesn't want to. Doesn't want to really redo too much of my expectation about what I have for Marvin Jones last week, and we probably just can't go there again. Uh, any And the running game, again, like I had Adrian Peterson in here, he was fine-ish, I guess. I don't know. what Any other thoughts here on, on Detroit?
1: Yeah, the thing that concerned me about Marvin Jones is that it took him so long to be involved in the offense whatsoever, and on the very first game of the season, you'd like to think that the team knows what they're going to do on the first couple drives, let's say, right. and the first drive... Quintez Cephas gets four targets, Marvin Jones gets zero, and whether that's difficulty for him getting open, and those were you know Stafford working through his reads, whether the team just isn't loving what they're seeing out of Jones so far, I'm not sure. He did wind up backing into eight targets over the course of the game, but wasn't especially inspiring on those targets either, uh, including some you know pretty key situations where they targeted him and it didn't work out, so yeah, not super high on Jones going into this week. A guy I could see pairing up with Stafford in big tournaments once again, uh, for cash game purposes. I'd rather. I, I think I have the luxury this week of getting guys that have already shown it once. Yeah. And Jones isn't that guy to me.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, it's just it's it just such an unexciting thing. I still like Stafford for a lot of attempts here because I think that's just going to be the story all season long with him. Uh, and I think from that point of view, you can probably have a pretty nice floor. Uh, And other otherwise, um, and again, I'd I'd like Galladay fine from a GPP perspective if he played, but it's just looking increasingly unlikely if he just still hasn't practiced. Um, We'll know more today. We record these Thursday mornings. Usually know by Thursday and Friday morning uh, sort of what the practice has been like for a guy. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Another one o'clock game. Carolina goes in and plays Tampa. Tampa, obviously, first week of Tom Brady, uh, suffer a pretty l- big loss to the Saints. Maybe you want to say it should have been a little closer than it was. Brady throws a pick six, which is not something he's done a lot of in his career through another interception. Looks really inefficient. Uh, there was some pass interference stuff down the field. Um, they had that going. But they're not going to – this line started at 7.5. And is up to nine and a half for Tampa Bay.
1: I can't believe. It.
0: Okay, thank you. I, 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 okay, because this was my other bet. Because I put in a bet at I put as a, as it as it climbed, I put in a bet at Carolina plus eight, and then just did it again at plus nine and a half. Now, am I dreaming too much, in Teddy Bridgewater? Maybe. Right. Um, looked okay in week one, but these incumbent quarterbacks, excuse me, non-incumbent quarterbacks, the new quarterbacks, only one in the whole week one last week. And that was cam now. Okay. Sorry. When they, when they played against an incumbent, right? So like, like, hmm. Bur- um, sorry, uh, Tyrod Taylor won, but that was against Joe Burrow. So it's like, I don't know. I'm going to wash that away. This is a situation where this is too new of a situation to figure out like exactly what the change, the fundamental changes for each team have been by bringing in new quarterbacks. And there's been other changes for the teams as well, but they did bring a lot of the same personnel back, both of them, at least on the offensive side. Right. It's, like our system has this as, like Carolina, not only covering but like sneaking toward being able to win. The playing at home is is a factor here for, for Tampa Bay, but like, right? Doesn't it? This seems I guess. this seems like all <laughs> this seems like all Tom Brady. I can't figure out any other reason that this is a nine, This has been climbed up to nine and a half based on how kind of just like bad he looked in the first week. And I get that Carolina lost at home to Vegas, and that's not a, really a feather in their cap. Although one more drive and they probably be, they may, might take that one down because they were driving to sort of like win at the end. They lost by four. Um, I don't know, right? I just don't see how
1: Tampa Bay can be favored by a touchdown over anyone. Right. Given what we saw in week one. Uh, that seems to me to be all preseason expectations. Brady looked good on like the first drive of the game. And then after that just looked slow to respond. Was having tough, uh tough time under pressure. I think p- perhaps where some of this comes from is last season this Tampa Bay defense was the team that was able to bottle up Christian McCaffrey. Um, Like he had fewer than, I think 40 rushing yards in each of those games. Yeah. The defense was good to having 600. Well, and specifically good against the one thing that Carolina is good at. And I think that's perhaps what people are seeing where it's like, you know, it's a strength against strength situation and, you know, Tampa Bay rush defense was stronger than Carolina's excellent rush offense. I just don't, I just don't see how they could be nine and a half point favorites. I don't. I don't buy it. I put three units uh, of my own betting in on this game. This is my lock of the week, basically. I, you know, strange things can happen for sure, but I think in terms of just getting money in good against what sure looks like a public team now in Tampa Bay feels excellent to me. I'm. I'm loving.
0: Yeah. So that's good to have like sort of the narrative built into the system too, because like we have a we have a betting system here that kind of pumps out based on like expectation of what you've done um in terms of like, you know, current personnel and sort of how you performed relative to other teams and schedules and stuff. Like this one was mm-hmm. like it was like it just couldn't it was like it was flabbergasted at seven and a half and at nine and a half it like just kinda like just you know, we had to log out. But the um yeah. So anyway, this is this is another bet that we put in here this week. Uh, good to see that this kind of just caught your eye before even reading like what I put. Cause you haven't read the article that I put out today. Uh, this was um, a very clear one at Carolina. Or me, at Carolina plus nine and a half. Uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah. Look, it's I'm still waiting to see mode. God, he really spread the targets around last week. Brady did. Godwin seven. Howard six, Scotty Miller six. I know Mike Evans. They said he was going to be limited. By the way, he wasn't. He played every snap uh, in the offensive set. Uh, He had four targets. Gronk had three. It's just this isn't this isn't Jameis right forcing the ball downfield to these guys. Like there's if you if you drafted these guys high on on the dream that Tom Brady was going to like you know be their fantasy saver. No, the thing was, Jameis was the fantasy saver because he got tons of possessions because he always gave the ball back to their team. They would score on a pick six and then they get the right ball right back and they'd have to pass the whole game. I just, I don't know. Like, I'd be, I'd be worried if I drafted any of these guys really high right now in terms of like if Tom Brady's going to force feed the ball to them because it just doesn't look like it's going to be the case. Uh, maybe the same thing on the Carolina side. We did see DJ Moore get nine targets. They weren't all that efficient, four for 54. Robbie Anderson came in for eight for 115 in a touch. He did like to see that. That was like a guy that we really talked about as a GBP guy last week. And, and another good thing from a fantasy perspective is that the Christian McCaffrey's usage didn't t- tick down all that much. He still touched the ball 27 times. Now maybe it wasn't the nine targets a game. But they did run the ball twenty three times. Um, you know, where do we rank McCaffrey here in terms of spending up for Derek? You know, o- up over Derrick Henry because that feels like probably the decision we're making this week.
1: I don't think we're going to jump up that high on it based on how lineups are shaking out so far. So I don't think he'll wind up being a cash game play. I did write him up because uh, I, you know, think there's sort of unprecedented safety and opportunity in McCaffrey. Uh, I thought it was encouraging last week that while well, he only got four targets in the passing game. He made up for it in the running game. He also got the goal line carries. Like He's the safest running back in the league, and it's probably not even close. But is he $2,200 safer than Derrick Henry? I, I don't think so. So I don't think he winds up getting there for us in cash. But as always, a great big tournament play. All
0: right, moving on. Buffalo goes in and plays Miami. Miami coming off the loss. To New England in Week One, and obviously Buffalo took it down in Week One. They went from a four and a half point road favorite to minus six. I don't mind the I actually don't mind the plus six on the Miami side, only because they still remain frisky as a team, if if not very good. So um, I didn't bet this one, but I was thinking about it once I saw it get up to six, just because Miami has just shown the ability to sort of hang around when needed, and and that's mostly just like a Ryan Fitzpatrick thing. I don't know if I'm willing to pull the trigger on it yet. Either way, Buffalo comes in. Josh Allen. These, these returning quarterbacks really were such a huge advantage last week in terms of fantasy. That's to be expected, but they really seemed pretty stark in comparison. Now, Allen did throw the ball 46 times uh, for two touchdowns, also ran for another 57 in a touch, was one of the best fantasy guys on the day. Where do we stand with him uh, you know what? Never mind. You just go back and listen to yesterday's podcast because I talked about this yesterday with uh, with him compared to Kyler Murray. I don't think we need to spend more, too much time on it, but we did not talk about the other pieces. Targets share. Stefan Diggs saw nine. John Brown, uh, the incumbent there, saw 10. Do you like this passing game here? Like, does the nine targets from Diggs, for Diggs, I mean, eight for nine, that's a nice way to jump out for a new wide receiver thing. Sometimes we play a wait-and-see approach on these guys. Is that enough to say that we don't need to wait and see it anymore, and Diggs might be climbing back toward that, like, high... Wide receiver two, low right, wide receiver one kind of guy.
1: Yeah, I mean we've paid eight thousand plus for Diggs in the past. Uh, a lot of that was when he was like the bomb at downfield option, where you wouldn't expect eight catches on nine targets, right? So I don't know that we can expect that kind of efficiency from Diggs just because he hasn't really had that track record in the past. Uh, I do you think he's the kind of the obvious? stack pairing with Allen here. Although I think people are sleeping on John Brown in my lineups that I put in my big tournament lineups last week. uh, Half of them or two thirds of them had Allen alone uh, with no wide receiver pairing. And the last one third was paired with Brown because I thought I could get more separation and that wound up being the correct way to go. So I I do really like John Brown. I think there's something to be said for having a track record with a quarterback. Um, He's like you know, better at the downfield thing arguably than Diggs at uh, this point in their career. So I prefer Brown over Diggs just based on the fact I think he can get lower ownership on him and get him cheaper. And I think there is this risk of, you know, new guy, new situation, confirmation bias after a big week one. I still think it's a it's good sign, you know, much better than if he did nothing at all, but I'm not ready to to buy the farm on Diggs just yet.
0: Can't touch the water, the running back situation. Leading carries: Singleton had nine, Zach Moss had nine, Josh Allen had 14. So uh, don't, <laughs> you don't really that, those. That was the, the the running carry situation or the the, the carry situation uh, for them. So right. the rush sorry rushing attempts. I got turned around with that term. Uh, rushing attempt situation. So can't touch what's going on there. 1 o'clock, San Francisco flies across the country here to face the Jets. They are seven-point road favorites against the Jets, who are going to be without Levy and Bell. not sure that really matters. Uh, this team looks no. like they're just dead man walking. Uh, that has been multiple seasons now. Uh, I don't really know what else to say about the Jets. They face a terrible situation here, going, having to play at home against a very good defense. I mean, did you see enough carries here from Raheem Master in the week one to kind of slot him up into the – I'm going to put him in GBP territory here only because – I just like so many other running backs that um, are just coming cheaper. But he got five targets as well, 15 carries, five targets, turned the five targets into 95 receiving yards and a touchdown. Um, hmm. Where do you stand with them? The, and by the way, the snap count went 37, Mostert, 19, McKinnon, 6, Coleman. But the Coleman thing is weird because that might have been an air quality situation where he was like doubtful, to, he was like questionable to play exactly. just because the air quality in San Fran was so bad. Do we still see this as just too much of a timeshare here in San Francisco?
1: Potentially, probably for cash. I also think the 6,000s is sort of the no man's land for running backs for me this week. The way my lineups are coming together for cash have 8,000 and over running backs and then 5,200 and under. uh, Like in the Malcolm Brown, uh, Benny Snell Jr., even the Indianapolis guys. Like, does that make sense? Like, I just don't... I don't think the optimal lineups for me. Also, because we haven't even—you may have noticed—we haven't mentioned a single tight end yet today. We haven't really mentioned that many <laughs> wide receivers either. Like, um, frankly, um, there's there's not that much flexibility at either of those positions, and I think for that reason, it's going to be dicey. I should mention—I think we talked about Kittle uh, briefly yesterday. Kittle's the kind of guy where if he got a fully clean bill of health leading into Sunday's games, our system is pretty tempted just because tight end, it's. It's one of the worst tight end weeks, like especially for a f- straight up full week that I can I can remember. Period. So I don't I don't even know like because I, I, normally I'm like, eh, play Janu Smith or like you know <laughs> whoever else Hunter Henry I think was the other guy I wrote up, but it's really really grim. And if Kittle is like all systems go, I think this is a week where you could see an argument for it.
0: Um, if you're looking for wide receiver help this week, the San Francisco side is not the place to go. Um, this is just if you look at the the target distribution last week. It was, oh, it was real quick. I have it in me. It's uh, Jarek McKinnon five, Raheem Mostert five, George Kittle five, Trent Taylor five, Kendrick Bourne five, and they just brought in Muhammad Sanu. So I don't know the wide receiver part you can't do. Uh, the Kittle thing you wish it was higher. I don't know. I'm with you. On, I'm with you on him for cash only because the track record. And I'm with, also with you that it's going to be plug your nose and play a tight end from any part of the spectrum of of of, of the salary. It's not just like oh we can buy some safety up in these higher tier guys. I don't think that's the case. On the Jet side. I, a guy that we I like from a possession re- standpoint this season. I, I, going into it, I did like Jamison Crowder. He turned into 13 targets in Week One. He scored a touchdown. Mm-hmm. It was a long run, so I really want to be careful about people looking at like the touchdown equity here. It was a it was a catch and run. It wasn't a tar- it wasn't a red zone target. So I don't think the touchdowns are something that we can really hang our hat on.
1: Well, the Jets are just going to have a hard time getting into the end zone. Right. Anyway, and going up against a team that had the best defensive DVOA last season is not really a situation where I want to hammer me some jets. I will say, though, if Crowder, you know, Buffalo is a tough defense, too. Said Crowder gets between, like, 8 and 10 targets again this week or more, I think he's going to be a really interesting cash game option in the first game where he's not facing one of the elite defenses in the league.
0: Yeah. We have him for like nine, nine and a half targets somewhere in that range. I think that's actually yeah, fair. I think it's fair considering how much Darnell has thrown to him in the past too. So mm-hmm. I, I look, no Le'Veon Bell to catch passes. They're not going to be able to run the ball. Um, yeah. I don't know. Stranger things and all. I, again, I just want to caution. A lot of those yards came on this one. Like that was like a 50 or 60 yard uh, catch. So um, Anyway, just sometimes people just look at touchdowns and think they're created equally. Uh, That's just definitely not the case with some of these guys. All right, Rams go in and play the Eagles. Eagle, this game, this this line is swapped. It started at the Eagles minus three, but that was a very early line. Like that was the that was the line that was put out before Week One when they put out Week One and Week Two lines sort of like simultaneously. So that was like a, a limited a limited line. Um, this one back is swapped over to Rams minus one and a half on the road. Eagles looked Boru until last week against the the Redskins. Oh my goodness. The offensive
1: line issues just makes it. Yeah. So Wentz is just running for his life. And
0: it's not going to get really easy here against Aaron Donald. Like it's going to be a real problem here. Again, I think that's reflected in the line. Um, I, we wanted to, you know, we kind of dreamed on some of these Eagle guys. I think for good reason last week, Boston Scott, Deshaun Jackson, guys like this, um, you know, with maybe them being a little banged up. I did not expect it to go the way it did. It was really, really bad. I, I'm very hesitant to just put anything back in on the Eagles until we see something. Now, they are going to get Miles Sanders back here this week. Uh, maybe you want to say that helps improve some of the running game. Uh, and we saw Boston Scott go out. Um, I don't know if it was ever reported what the injury was. Uh, he just kind of wasn't there anymore. And then the Rams side, they did pull off the win against Dallas last week. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, Dallas last uh, in week one. Um, Anything to see here, Cooper Cup was a guy I liked from a big target perspective that didn't really materialize in week one. Robert Woods got eight of the targets. He's been a guy, look, they don't have Brandon Cooks anymore. It's reasonable to expect that he could be a seven to eight to nine target guy uh, per week. And then the running game. I we talked a little bit about it yesterday with Malcolm Brown and some of our concerns and like sort of you little you're bullish on Brown, which I get. I was probably a little more bearish. Uh, any other thoughts here on this game? I don't want to touch the Eagles side at all. I don't think. Um, but I, what do you think about the Rams? Any any other thoughts besides what we talked about with the running back situation yesterday?
1: No, that that was pretty much it. I think I'm lower on, you know, Brown than I was going into our conversation about the cash game picks. So, and certainly if Snell gets all the carries in Pittsburgh, he's the clear punt option to me. I also think that just at running back in general this week, there is a lot of really good high-end value that's at a little bit of a discount in a way that I'm not really seeing at wide receiver, for instance. So I don't think I don't think Brown will wind up getting there for us in cash, but definitely interesting for me for big tournaments. Uh the touchdown equity I think is good. Uh reasonable matchup against Philly, so Still, still like him. Still think he'll probably be under-owned, but not as high as I was.
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. And like I said, Philly, the offensive line stuff. We were, we, we were concerned about it going into Week One, and it just was. It was worse than we could have expected. I think uh, it was like Wentz couldn't do anything. He took a ton of sacks. He just never could get out and run um just looked frankly just like shook a little bit <laughs> it was uh mm-hmm. for one of the I mean, one of the games I tuned into a little bit more than the others just because of what we had going on that game um it was just it was very very tough to watch so I don't want to use my eyes too much to like you know say the x's and o's part of it because I'm just not that kind of guy but the numbers just bore it out it was it was a really rough scene for, for Philly uh okay let's get into the four o'clock games Washington goes in and plays the Cardinals this game is at six and minus six and a half for the Cardinals right now. Um, Washington pulls out the win against Philly. They, I, I, I feel like if even if you looked at the stats in this game, Philly probably wins this game eight times out of ten if you just look at like sort of what Washington did in the game. And I don't know. That's just kind of where I land on that. Uh, and then Arizona obviously pulls off a huge, huge, you know, kind of had some buzz as an upset victory, but I don't think anyone was willing to go too crazy on it. But they did pull off the win on the road against San Francisco, putting a stamp on it. We put Kyler Murray as a clear definitive cash game play. Don't want to go do, for, too far down that road again. Thoughts on the rest of these weapons. Oh, sorry. And we talked about uh, DeAndre Hopkins as well. Um, there's three guys that I think you can really spend up for at wide receiver this week that I'd feel great in cash games, locking them in. I would feel it probably goes in the order of Devonte Adams, then DeAndre Hopkins, then Julio Jones. Does that seem like a fair ranking to you based on how they used Hopkins in the first game?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, you know, we're always kind of watching these, you know, wide receiver transitions closely, especially just because, listen, it just doesn't often work out, right? right. <laughs> so the fact that it worked so well, I mean, both in terms of overall target share and the conversion percentage and just the the overall percentage of the sheer yards the Cardinals accumulated through the air, uh, Hopkins, he, he might be my favorite guy of all those right now just because... Arizona just has very limited options after him as well. So, and Murray being a young quarterback, I would trust, I would almost trust him to tunnel vision a guy like Hopkins a little bit more than I would a more experienced quarterback like Ryan or Rogers who just have more experience working through reads in NFL speed games. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think Hopkins is a phenomenal play this week. Um, I do think Washington. You know, one thing they've been able to do, even when they had a tough time generally last year, they can get after the quarterback. Uh, so. That we saw them absolutely eviscerate Wentz last week, their front seven, and Murray is going to be able to. It's it's going to be another strength against strength situation where Washington should be able to get into the backfield, but Murray is, you know, he made his bones. He's an number one overall pick because of his ability to think on his feet and then use his feet to generate yards anyway. So uh, I'm I'm very interested in this game a lot more so than I thought I would be. Uh, going into week one for sure.
0: My third bet of the week is Arizona minus six and a half. Absolutely love this. It's up to seven mm-hmm. in some places. So I got it at six and a half. It's got up to seven, but you can get it six and a half in a couple spots. So um, this was based on numbers. This was, I ran these numbers before the San Francisco Arizona game had even played. And I just think it would be I'd, I the, our system would have had even more confidence once we kind of feathered that game in, right? Like as we, as we pl- didn't place a lot of importance on it. But um, the fact that like this line on the on the Arizona side, just based on sort of some historical stuff uh, based on their yeah, current personnel, sure. like made me feel it just made me feel even better putting it in once. uh Once sort of like we saw what they were able to do against San Francisco. Love hate that Washington has to go across the country. That was a very fluky game. Their numbers were so bad they could not run the ball at all against Philly. Yeah, offensively,
1: Washington is a train wreck. I mean, the I, I tried to look at this because I was I was looking at guys like you know Terry McLaurin and. um and Gibson even, and I was just like, man, this team is terrible. They're terrible. They're terrible. They're terrible. They're <laughs> it's
0: a really, it's a real indictment on the Eagles. Like this team is uh, yeah. is really bad. It's really looks, looks worse for the Eagles and it does look for actually for good for the Redskins, frankly. But mm. um yeah, so I love the six and a half. I'll go there minus seven even on it I think that I think Arizona after this win is going to look at their season and say dude we can actually really do something here right like I think mm-hmm. that they, I think their future came earlier than probably anyone even expected with Kyler Murray how good he's been getting Hopkins in an absolute steal of of, of, a, of a trade I um understand. is going to look so bad on paper when he turns in the season that he's probably gonna turn into. So, um, and I'd be a little concerned with the running back situation in Drake only because Murray did rush the ball thir- got out and ran thirteen times last game. He played fifty eight of the eighty two snaps, he saw a couple targets, but if, ho- if you know some of those yeah, a lot of
1: those were him making things happen, not necessarily like designed runs, but exactly. yeah, I'm with you there that I don't know, like especially up and close, they're gonna trust Murray more than Kenyon drake i would think
0: 100 so. kc goes in and plays the chargers this game has uh, started seven and a half on the road for kc is now up to eight and a half the total dipped but that dipped off of more off the, the charger side than it did kc um you know we talked about clyde was hilaire yesterday i don't want to go too far back down this he's a cash play At again on a week where we'd like to probably start five running backs in cash and just simply can't mm-hmm. so um that's really going to be the only issue i'm running to this week is that there's where were these guys last week? Is what I want to know. Um, like, because like, I would have just loved to play one of these guys instead of probably Boston Scott, who I was like even a little bit worried about going into it. But um, the w- besides this, besides the C E H thing, we saw him over, like overwhelmingly dominate the carries. There are huge favorites here again. The Chargers were eh, okay last week uh, against the Cincinnati in a game that they probably could have won uh, or could have lost if the A J Green thing isn't called the pass interference near the end of the game. Yeah. Do we see a bounce back for some of the passing game looking to get these guys involved? Do you think they're just going to ride the rookie because they just got such a good thing here and they can kind of save some of the stuff going forward in the season? Where do you see this game sort of like laying out in terms of how we want to attack it from a fantasy perspective?
1: Yeah, the Chiefs, I think for almost a season and a half for us have been kind of victims of their own success where they're just so consistent and they're so good at actual real-life football that for fantasy football, it becomes tough to own their passing game outside of Mahomes, who we've played plenty in the past, but you know Tyreek Hill, yeah, he got in the end zone, but six targets. Say almost the exact same line for Travis Kelsey, where Kelsey went six for six for 50 in a touchdown. So um, between the two of them, 12 targets. You can't really pay 7,800 for Kelsey, 8,000 for Hill in that scenario. Um, many people are going to talk themselves into Sammy Watkins for big tournaments, and I think that's pretty darn reasonable. Uh, Watkins led the team in targets with nine converted those into seven catches in and 82 yards and a touchdown. But for cash games, man, Watkins can just turn into fool's gold on you real quick. Like there is going to be a week where he gets five targets and the other guys are the ones with nine and 12 based on matchups, right? Because Mahomes is good enough to work through reads like that too. So I just don't know that you can trust any. If you have to play one guy in the Kansas City passing game, I think you play Watkins just because you get value on it at least. Uh, like I'm not convinced that he should be lower price than hill let's say so the fact that you get 2000 in savings is pretty convincing but yeah it's uh it's probably a stay away for me
0: yeah i'm still gun shy. we saw that this. this happened with watkins last year if you remember he started and dominated the, the targets to start the season yeah, last he was getting year. he got
1: hurt and stuff though so yeah
0: anyway uh yeah i'm with you though i think they're all just a little too overpriced except for ceh we talked about him at length and how sometimes mm-hmm. people are going to attribute the price increase uh or you know just that to, to not fully match what his actual production is i think this could be very much the case now the Chargers, I was dreaming a little bit on Tyler Taylor as a real, like, nice little sneaky fantasy option this year. If they used him more like in the Lamar Jackson role where he was able to really get out and run a lot, uh, he ran six times, it was only for seven yards, so that was how that turned out with him. He was really inefficient, he barely completed 50% of his passes. Um, you know, good yeah. if you want to take a good sign here, Eckler carried the ball 19 times, which I don't think they had wanted to do, but the receptions were gone. He had one target the whole game. This is a guy that was an absolute Yikes. target monster. I like the chargers thing is not i can't well, it's back it. to the
1: philip rivers thing right where oh well, yeah that's true <laughs> if we're buying that rivers was a large driver of the running back targets in san diego and la uh, now that he's doing the same thing in indy and now la seems off it yikes i eckler's value to me is is in the basement i mean and obviously unplayable anyway is a you know nine point dog or whatever against kansas city but yeah i got uh, i can't imagine playing any chargers this week
0: i could i could do it if i'm stacking if i'm stat if i'm going the run game for kc and i want to get some points in the catch-up mode um i can see it like you want to get a bomb to mike mike williams or something like that you think that like the running back targets come back a little bit because they just are forced to uh but yeah Mm -hmm. the the rivers thing that that river stat is uh is pretty damning here for what they what we can maybe expect for them to go do going forward because that has not been something tyrod taylor has done so if it was a it was a personnel thing rather than a system thing. Yeah, if I have Eckler at a high draft pick, I'm getting. I don't want to make a crazy, th- you know, crazy statements after week one, but I'm 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 pretty concerned because that is just not how they used him at all last year, and I don't I don't do not think they want him to be a 20 carry a guy game either. Like I don't think he's built for that. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'd be pretty concerned. Final game, Ravens and I'm going to play the Texans. Texans brutal beginnings of the season here, having the run back run, <laughs> Casey in week one in Baltimore in week two uh, is a tough scene. But they are, again, they're seven-point home underdogs here to Baltimore. Lamar Jackson, uh, there is a world where there's so much running back savings that we just go from Kyler Murray to Lamar Jackson. I, that's something that, like, our system sort of has been sniffing around. It's just based on if you just – at some point, if there's just savings to be had, um, you maybe have to just take the the you know the very best fantasy option that's come across the quarterback play in, in, a, in a very long time. Uh let's talk quickly about Lamar Jackson. I'm not sure that there's anything else I really want to get interested in on the Baltimore side. Um, I'm actually, frankly, not sure if there's not all that much on the Houston side either. Uh, what are your thoughts here on Jackson? Like where does, if there is enough savings, do we just go to him and say, look, this guy, 25 or 20, 20 of 25 last week, three touchdowns, another 45 on the, on the ground. It's fine. But I don't know. Where do you stand here on Jackson?
1: Yeah. I love Jackson. I'm going to love him probably every week. The price is basically what it was last week. Um, we just saw Casey obviously just put up numbers against this Houston defense. I think the Houston offense can also help you keep a high total by playing fast, going back the other way. Although who knows, maybe they wind up playing a little slower if if the conspiracy theory that they're incentivized to give uh, David Johnson more touches is actually real. But yeah, I love I'd be, I'd be I'm pumped anytime I see him in my cash game lineup. So that isn't changing going into this week. Uh, for big tournaments, I'm going to probably just run him on its lonesome Uh, I actually had some stacks like similar to the Josh Allen thing probably two-thirds of my Jackson lineups were alone the other third were with Mark Andrews who turned in two touchdowns last week and uh, that worked out very very nicely but I think for cash purposes there's just no chance you can play him for 7,500 when he got six targets last week so yep, Jackson by his by his own damn self and then I swooped around on the Houston side I do think wolf fuller is still very interesting he's still flirting around our lineups for cash games this week not sure where it'll if it'll end up there eventually as we shake out you know perspective cornerback matchups but if it looks like he can line up um, on the easier side you know away from Marcus Peters who I think you said always lines up on the left uh, then maybe he is playable but that's still I'm still just gonna wait and see until Sunday morning rolls around.
0: Yep, I think that pretty much sums it up. Game-by-game game podcast in the books. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR.com slash deals. We'll get you started on the projection system that's powering a lot of other opinions that we're throwing out here on the podcast. It's free for seven days, and then go try it out for Football Sunday, see how you like it, and then you'll hopefully be back for week three with us. Uh, there's really no downside to just trying out the free trial. So DFSR.com slash deals. Optimal Limes, FanDuel, DraftKings, M- or excuse me, NFL, MLB, NBA, uh, PGA, NHL once around, all covered in the one subscription package. You're not going to find a better deal than that. We're going to be throwing out more bets in the chat room going into Sunday as well. Buddy, enjoy your week two in NFL.
1: Will do.